Welcome. This is the, uh, the first episode of the Batman the Animated Series podcast, uh, which is known as Bat-Ass for short, B-A-T-T-A-S-S. That's, yeah, your name, not mine. <laughs> we honestly had a really hard time thinking of any name that hasn't been taken. And we yeah. thought Bat-Pod, because that's kind of the name of the motorcycle. Right. Gotham something, but then, you know, people yeah. might think we were talking about the show Gotham, right. which we won't be. And then we thought about uh, mashing our last names, which are Murphy and McCormick, and we thought McMurphy, but nothing about that is well, Batman. Well, we didn't think that. <laughs> My co-host, Sean Murphy, thought that. Oh, man, you ratted me out. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Clay McCormick, uh, and we'll be talking about... This show's going to be talking about Batman the Animated Series, which is the uh, cartoon that the WB, or Warner Brothers Animation, did in the early 90s. Right. Uh, produced by uh, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, the th- what about this show? Why why are we why are we covering this show? Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about it, and every every time I, f- I personally find that anytime you talk to someone and you ask, "What is your definitive version of Batman?" Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, they say this show. Right. And we're in a unique uh, space because we're both comic book artists. Uh, one of us is uh, a New York Times bestseller known all around the world, <laughs> and the other one is Sean Murphy. Oh, hey, hey! Well, too bad we can't afford a drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> Season two. <laughs> um, so, and and Sean is actually working on Batman right now. Yeah, the take uh, for us was how could we do this in a different way? And because we're both comic artists, we want to talk about this. Uh, cartoon looking at it through the lenses of some people who uh, do this as comic books mm-hmm. so one of the the themes we want to keep touching on in each <clears throat> each episode is you know what's something that you would like to have drawn what's something that you would have drawn differently you know how would this not have worked as a comic how did this work as a cartoon and kind of stuff like that right and we'll be looking at you know costume designs and all that kind of stuff because they're really unique and they're really different right compared to pretty much anything yeah. That came before it as far as Batman goes. The other, the other part of this, too, is uh, I'm currently writing and drawing my own Batman gig, <clears throat> hoping to be DC's next Frank Miller, or at least the Frank Miller of, of my generation. I have the... I mean, uh, you might want to set a higher bar for yourself. <laughs> not, not to toot my own bat horn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I have what I consider my dream Batman gig. Um, so I'm, take, I'm looking at this through the eyes of someone who's gone a long way to carve out... Um, you know, space where I can produce my own Dark Knight comic right now. And Clay's coming at it as someone who's who's getting into comics, who one day will hopefully be doing this sort of thing with his own version of Batman. And I have seen most of the Batman movies, so I feel <laughs> quite qualified. Have you, read, have you read most of the Batman comics? Uh, nobody reads anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're in publishing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, go out and buy hard copies of anything you can find. Oh yeah. Um, like the vinyl record of this podcast. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so our plan here is we're going to do something a little bit different as far as what we release it. If you're listening to this, you probably know that we've released every episode at once, uh, kind of like a Netflix model. So we're going to be covering uh, the first season of the show, which we're going to be following the Amazon Prime listing, which is also the DVD listing, I believe. So you know, if you want to follow along, you can do that easily through either of those two places. Right. And uh, each episode of this show 
we'll be covering two episodes of the cartoon. That sounds good, man. And except for this one. Uh, this first episode we'll be talking about not the first episode of the show, but the animated uh, pencil test pilot mm-hmm. that Bruce Tim produced uh, to basically sell the show. Right. And uh, if you're looking to see that, in case you haven't, because I actually had not seen it until mm-hmm. you just sent it to me, mm-hmm. um, then you can Google it, or sorry, YouTube, and uh, search Dark Knight's First Night. Yep. Or if you have the DVD box set, I believe it's a special feature on the DVD. Oh, okay. Sean, you're working on Batman right now. Yes. What is your definitive version of Batman? I uh, didn't read the comics a lot. I got introduced to Batman through Michael Keaton and then this cartoon. Mm-hmm. And um, this cartoon for me was a different sort of cartoon where even as a kid I could tell that there was something different happening here right. that Thundercats was not doing. And even revisiting it now as an adult, I feel like there's still so much to, to, to pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that like the comic that I'm writing and drawing basically takes place in this animated series universe. My version's a little darker and more adult, and I've changed some of the costumes, but a lot of the marquee characters are there. Like Mine is the Mr. Freeze version that has the backstory set in this universe and not the comics, right. etc. Which we can, we'll talk about when we get there, because I believe that that backstory, which I think is now part of the comics continuity, didn't yeah. exist before that cartoon. Yep, and Harley. And Harley Quinn. Yeah, there's lots of stuff to talk about. Even the first episode, yeah. uh, they changed the backstory of Man Bat, and they, it's so. Yeah. There's, there's, it'll be a lot of. It'll be really interesting to 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 compare those things. That's true. Uh, for me, I you know I watched the Adam West show when I was a kid, and I was I was always <laughs> aware of Batman. What you you're, you're like the only? Did you never watch Adam West, the Adam West show? Have you seen the Adam West show? Yeah. Have you seen the Adam West show as a kid? It's fantastic. No, I was busy watching Thundercats. That's your that's your problem. That show's not good. No. Um, but yeah, my for me the the thing uh, that really made Batman stand out to me was the Tim Burton Batman. Yeah. Um, and that that's I also think that's the biggest influence on this show as well or well i should say it's it's it it's there it's it's definitely there I, I there's a big argument for why it is but we can get to that later yeah so before we get to here we should talk maybe just talk a little bit about you know if you're new to batman for whatever reason like wh- why is this so different where did batman come from and, and how do we get to this point so um before this show batman was more or less a uh you go back to the 60s talking about the adam west show um, Batman became a joke. He started off as a very remi- uh, character reminiscent of the old pulp novels. Right. You know, a guy in a mask with a gun, mm-hmm. the, the shadow, the spider, yeah. anything like that. Creeps around in the darkness and fights crime. He went from that in um, mainly, I think, because of the, uh, uh, the comics code that kind of neutered everything. Mm-hmm. They turned him into kind of a... They added Robin to the equation right. and became a lot more kid-friendly, a lot brighter. Right. And he got really silly. Right. Um, then Adam West kind of made it worse with the bam, boom, pow, right. zap sort of thing. It made Batman a household name. Right. But it was a household joke, basically. Yeah. I, I'm going to backpedal. It wasn't worse. Sure. It was different. It did a lot for the franchise. And it should never be watched again. <laughs> so then, uh, in the mid-80s, uh, what most people think happened, and I do too, is that uh, Batman got reinvented by Frank Miller mm-hmm. with a comic called uh, The Dark Knight. 
Dark Returns. Returns. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what it's called. She, should, he doesn't read the I books. Should probably know this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, his Batman it brought back be gritty. It was noir. It was brutal. It was violent. It was for adults. Did they swear in that? Oh, a little bit, I think. Yeah. yeah. God damn right they did. Um, and uh, after that came out, I think that they were... Wonder Brothers saw the writing on the wall and mm -hmm. realized that things probably had progressed enough where they could take a stab at a live-action movie. Yep. And that brings us to the Tim Burton Batman, which I think as much as it's influenced by The Dark Knight Returns... I actually was reading The Killing Joke again recently. Right. There's a lot of The Killing Joke in the, Bat in the Burton Batman. Huh. So I think it's those two... Those two books are, are... You put those together and you get the 1989 Batman. Right. Which for me is... That's it. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the designs, the costumes, yeah. the world. Yeah, it's it, it, the, the the Batmobile. Yeah, you're not going to get better than yeah. that Batmobile. Yeah, even Michael Keaton, who everyone doubted. You know, who wants Mister Mom in a uh, cape? But uh, he pulled it off. Right. Yeah. And after that, uh, I think right before they got ready to release the second movie, mm -hmm. or maybe it was just after. Someone can fact check me on this on Twitter. Uh, they decided to roll forward with a cartoon to yep. sort of make some money off of this. And they went in with a purchase of how many episodes? It was, I think, 60. Around 60, which is, which is crazy. That's a, big, that's a commitment of three seasons all at once. Right. So we're, wow. we're, we're doing the Amazon listing because uh, when we looked at season one of Batman the Animated Series, it was 60 episodes. Right. So we're not going to do that. If you look at the, so I watched the DVDs, or I own them rather, and I think the first season is 26 episodes, so yeah. I don't, whatever, I mean, it should be easy enough for people to find them in order, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, once once they decided to, to do this cartoon, um, well, I guess we, we may as well just start talking about the actual, yeah. the actual short. So how did you, you found that because you uh, owned the fancy Yeah, I, I remember, I remember seeing it and then recently... It, it popped up somewhere and it refreshed it in my mind. And I'm, right. gla I'm glad that I, rem I remembered it because I think it's definitely worth talking about. Yeah. Because if you're familiar at all with the show, everything is there. Right. From the get-go. Yeah. The designs, the look of Gotham City, it's mm -hmm. all there. Yeah. The uh, I like the Max, Max Flesher. Flesher. Yeah. Flesher. Mm -hmm. uh, that influence is, 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 is amazing. Um, I was taken by how much it looked. It looked too much like that. The yeah. characters are too smooth and too round, and they have very long arms and short legs, and um, it's hard to describe, but uh, I'm glad that they switched it up for the more angular look of Bruce Timm's actual style, because mm -hmm. even when you look at the storyboards and his concept art, that was what it became. What got animated was more Max Fleischer. Right, right. Yeah, there's definitely more... Um, it's, it's, it's like they, they, the, they spent more time animating the incidental movements so right. like you see every flap of the cape right you know if it, the head turns you see a lot of the body <laughs> movement it's it's not it's not the kind of animation that you see on a 30 minute cartoon in the 90s yeah no it looks good it does i, I will say though when they're opening fire on batman and he's just dancing back and forth with yeah, no that's arms kind of, that's kind of silly <laughs> But I, but you know, knowing what I know about how production gets gets started off and how hard it is to get things moving, sometimes it seemed like this thing got fast tracked. They found the right people mm -hmm. immediately, and they happened to, through a lot of hard work, I should say, nail it and take the keys, so to speak, and just drive away and return the Batmobile done extremely well. Mm -hmm. and in a way that even now, 
looking at the new movies that are coming out with the same voice actors, like The Killing Joke, mm -hmm. it's 25 years later, yet this looks a lot better still. Right. It's, right. An, it's insane how good it is. Yeah. And it's it, it the style of it definitely takes a lot from um, the Fleischer stuff. because uh, the, For anyone who doesn't know, uh, Max Fleischer, the Fleischer Studios produced a series of Superman cartoons in the uh, I think the early '40s, mm -hmm. and they if you haven't seen them, they're easy to find and they are fantastic. They are awesome. They are a little bit racist. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything was a little bit racist back then. Right. Well, you know, everything gets an asterisk. Anyway. Anyway. So. So the uh, yeah the 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 influence of the Fleischer cartoons is evident because it's got the same sort of Gotham City is very distinct. Yeah. It's. It looks like, so this is something that I think carries over from the Burton movies too, which is that the Tim Burton Gotham City is this weird amalgamation of modern and basically like 30s kind of style. Yeah. The cars, um, the clothes, well, I, the cars kind of, but the clothes definitely, the design of the city itself it has a very retro feel, but they use very modern stuff in the movie. It's a mix, yeah, and that's actually what this cartoon does well too. Is it's it's timeless. So people have, um, you know, Batman has these crazy gadgets, you know, these there's a science fiction twist to it, like there's robots, mm -hmm. but there's also black and white tube TVs everywhere, right. and uh, the cops and everyone still wears top hats. The cars look like they're from the 1950s. Yep. This is actually something that I've been doing with mine. Is uh, I just drew a scene the other day with the mayor, and uh, on his desk is the oldest type of telephone I could find. Mm -hmm. Just because just for no reason right and i tried to make the cars look like the keaton uh batman sorry the cop cars from the keaton movie oh yeah which yep. are 80s crown victorias yep uh just i don't know it's it's it, i i like it better when the gotham is timeless yep you know yeah and we were talking about this earlier um i think i always appreciate that and i think the best way to do it is the way that you're doing it and the way that they do it in the burton movies where they create timelessness by not um, limiting themselves to right. what time period they're taking stuff from. Right. So you'll get stuff from the 50s. So you'll get cars from the 70s. So right. you'll get, you know, technology from the 80s, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. That way it kind of, it really blends yeah. where it's coming from. Yeah. And I think the cartoon does that really well too. Right. We don't get too much of it in this short because, you know, it's basically just a, a, a panoramic shot of mm -hmm. Gotham City. Right. And... But even the, the, the thugs that he's fighting on top of the roof yeah. are trench coats, yep. fedoras, very classic yeah. uh, noir look. Yeah, there's a there's sort of a deco vibe to some of the buildings. Um, they already are, are doing that technique where they use airbrush on black construction yep. paper. Mm -hmm. So they designed based off of shadows, basically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Which is, which is, as far as I know, I don't know any other anime, any animation that's ever done that i don't know either yeah that's uh, from from what i know I, f I think that was a pretty revolutionary attempt yeah because i mean it's <laughs> it's it's the only way you can make the city that dark right and not have yeah, like yeah, little yeah. pieces that you didn't color yeah. black yeah. or something it's it's brilliant yeah. i mean even so you and i both work on white pieces of paper and you have to add the black right and as much as you think you've pushed the blacks in any panel you can always push it more. Mm -hmm. So the way, if you want to come at this the other way, it would be painting white on top of black. Right. So you're only painting the white in the highlights. And I feel like that process, you're guaranteed to still end up with mostly black. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, you and I starting on white paper, as much black as we add, uh, a lot of the white is still going to leak through because it's just 
part of the process. Yeah. It's starting from the get-go with nothing, with immediate darkness, and just adding highlights on like a chair or a desk or the top of Batman's head. That really goes a long way. You know? Yeah, and I think I think it really changes the way yeah. you approach the image that you're making, too. Right, yeah. Because it, it really makes you... It, it doesn't make you completely think in reverse, but right. it really... It limits your light sources. Yeah. Um, you're really carving stuff out yes. as opposed to just painting stuff on. Totally, man. It, you know, it's, in a way, it almost handicaps you. Mm-hmm. It forces you to work in reverse in the way that your brain has never thought about light, lighting and drawing and all that. And right. uh, I don't know. like in, in, the, in an era of crazy CGI and everyone has After Effects or whatever program they're using now, to handicap yourself and to make it harder, for me, like I... I think you're the same way. Yeah. I'm. You, I try to be an old school type of guy. I, I like analog better, and um, the idea of painting onto black really goes a long way with me. Yeah. Oh, me too. I mean, I, I think when you look at this show, you can see the difference, and it really informs the way they do everything right. in this show. Because you know, it, 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 it really forces them to pick out certain things that they want you to see. Right. You know, if they want you to see a tree or, or a plant, then that's, it's going it, to, it limits their composition. It's true, yeah. And it, and it simplifies things, which for animation is the way way to go. Right. Because yeah. simpler the better. That's true. I mean, because people are going to be looking at these things for a split second. If you're drawing a background for three hours, you're just going to obsess about details. Right. No one, no viewer is ever going to appreciate. So by starting on black, you really like you said you really um target the things that are important and then you move on right right yeah right and uh the design of batman is very much the batman himself the design of batman himself is very uh fleischer influence but it's also got a lot of toth in there too like it it, it feels a lot like the um uh space ghost he's got the big chin the big oh, yeah. barrel chest totally, you know yeah. and the, the 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 cape is very um solid black or with yeah. like a very simple highlight and it's it's just yeah. the the thing for me about this show in general is i feel like this is the first time where the the people who created this understood batman right i know that's i don't know if that's really no i you know. it's very well that's what's stunning to me is because batman is worth so much money mm-hmm. to go with two guys who came from tiny tunes yep and for you to, they basically heard about it in passing, immediately scrapped what they were doing, started coming up with character designs and backgrounds, got the green light to go ahead and make a short, and then they were told to produce 66 episodes. Yeah. That's insane. Like, yeah. nothing ever gets done that fast in Hollywood. Right. And we haven't even talked about Paul Dini yet, which uh, he, as far as I know, was not involved at this point. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you take Paul Dini's writing... And Bruce Timm's design, and it just the you know that's a good sandwich they made, right? You know, <laughs> it's um, all the sandwich. <laughs> and you know, I it's it, it, we were talking about the Dark Knight Returns and how the Dark Knight Returns took things back and made it more gritty. But I think that this show understands the core of Batman even better than that book does, right? Because Dark Knight Returns brought back the grittiness and the darkness to it, but. This show really understands where it came from, where the concept came from, mm-hmm. the uh, um, where the origins lie. Like, there's no really pulp stuff in in Dark Knight Returns as as, much, as far as I can remember. No, I don't. I don't think so. But you're right. I, I I mean, do you think this is a totally new way of looking at Batman, knowing the material, or do you think it's a the best of Batman, funneled into one solid vision? 
Hmm. Because um. you see Bruce Tim. I'm sorry. Uh, you see uh, Tim Burton in yep. there. You see Fleischer. Yep. You see a lot of the old Bob Kane drawings. Yep. So, I mean, I, to me, it's uh, cherry picks the best of. But then the new thing that this did was do the deco thing. Right, right. And, yeah. st- and streamline it a lot, too, as far as the animation style. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I know I remember when I watched as a kid, the first thing I thought of was the, the Burton movie style. Yeah. Um, but even, even, the, even, even thinking that, I knew there was something different because the cars in this show and the airplanes and the blimps, they aren't quite, they're even more art yeah. deco-y, even more stylized than they are in the Burton movies. That's true, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, I think that the influence of Dark Knight, of what Frank Miller did, wasn't so much in direct style choices, but Frank made it okay for Batman to be dark. Right. And that took that idea took off, and someone at Warner Brothers understood it. Tim Burton managed to do a successful movie based off of that. And even if Bruce Tim and these guys didn't pull all of the stuff from Tim Burton, they all they still had the green light to be dark. Because mm-hmm. that's what Frank Miller claim, reclaimed in the 80s. Right. And I mean, th- this was coming off of Batman Returns, which I think might still be the darkest Batman movie ever made. Yeah. I haven't seen that for a while. That's a weird movie. Yeah. But not the not the worst. No. Nope. <laughs> I enjoy that movie quite a bit, actually. Yep. Yeah. yeah, me too, man. One of the other things I just thought about, too, was um, we're used to it now because we grew up with it. But at the time, the stylized animation... Of this was very strange oh, to yeah. have such a square chin mm-hmm. like literally a right angle at sometimes with one simple line for a mouth i don't think animation had done that yet and they i think they did get some resistance or some people who they were prepared for some resistance that never came mm-hmm. they they ended up thinking like man this is so weird it's deco i don't know we're kind of going out on the limb here when the powers that be uh see this they're probably going to tell us to you know shut us down or ask us to redo it and it all, as far as I know, went through. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know the thing that really stands out to me. This is kind of like, this show is kind of like the uh, the Jurassic Park of cartoon television shows. Because if you go back, you know, every every movie now has uh, tons and tons and tons of CGI. And, and so much of it looks like garbage. Right. And they have the, the height of modern technology producing the stuff that doesn't look great. Right. But if you go back and you look at Jurassic Park now... The CGI in the movie still looks amazing. Still holds up, yep. And I think this show is the same way. Yeah. Because even shows that they were making around this time, like this is this is right in the pocket where I was watching cartoons on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So you had Batman the Animated Series, you had the X-Men cartoon. Yep. Like this... for a kid growing up who loved comics, yeah. this was the best time to, to be a kid. Yeah, you had the Spider-Man. You, Spider-Man, you know, yeah. So one of the reasons we were talking before about... Um, this one is the one that people talk about. This one is the one of every all of our peers. This is the Batman that shows up. Kevin Conroy is Batman for people, everybody. Right. Mark Hamill is the Joker. Right. Yeah. But, but what I was curious about is, is it a timing influence? Is it that you and I were uh, about 10 to 12 years old? We were primed to be the perfect audience for Burton. And mm-hmm. then we naturally sank into this stuff. Is it just that... So if we were born 10 years later, would we be into The Batman or whatever new shows are out? Or is it something that's actually successful about this? And I think the argument for this legitimately being good is that I never watched the X-Men and the Spider-Man cartoon that came out at that time. Yeah. I still go back to this. Yeah. And I mean, I, I 
do the same thing. Like if you go back, honestly, if you go back and you look at, I haven't watched Spider-Man in a long time, but if you go back and you watch that X-Men cartoon, it's good, but it's not this good. It's rough. I mean, yeah, the animation in that first episode is yeah. garbage. The thing about that episode, even when I was a kid, I knew this, is they really tried to make each frame look like a comic book drawing. Yeah. Which means spotted black. So, for example, you would zoom in on Wolverine's yellow uh, like thigh muscles, mm-hmm. and it would have black shapes all over the place. And, I mean... Yellow, if you're covered in yellow, you don't make a lot of shadows. It right. just doesn't make sense. So right. then they would also be trying to... I know. Trust to, me. <laughs> you know, man. I see you wore your blue tights today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, even at the time, even as a 12-year-old, I'm like, man, that does, does not hold up. Yeah. The opening credits to the X-Men show, still fantastic. That's right. like they really yeah, they really leaned into that and one. That, that theme song's pretty damn good. Oh, it's good. so good. <laughs> um, and honestly, I mean, that's all you needed back then for most shows. I mean, yeah. if you go back and you watch... Sorry, Ricardo, but... Uh, if you go back and you watch Thundercats, the opening theme song and credits of Thundercats is amazing. But those shows are terrible. So one of the things I wanted to that struck me about this, and um, even though I've never seen this YouTube um, or this this mini kind of explanation of how it got started, I did read about this in one of the books I have about this uh, cartoon. Mm-hmm. And knowing what I know now, I've been a professional for 13 years. I have done stuff for Hollywood. I have movies that have been optioned. I've been through you're the process. A, you're such a hero. I'm, 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 <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> it's my studio. <laughs> Can't make fun of me here. Um, it's insane how little you can really control it. Uh, a lot of guys in comics right now, a lot of guys and gals um, are optioning their books left and right, but there's just so much saturation. What they don't, what I don't think people realize is one out of a hundred maybe will get made. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a buddy who uh, did a book, um, and he was on the set of the um, first episode, filming the pilot, holding an actual prop, and it still got canceled. Oof. It still did not get picked up, and all he made money wise was I think like ten grand maybe, yeah. or even forty grand. And that's millions of dollars into the process. You never know when some some CEO at that at Universal, whoever, gets fired. Some other guy comes in. An actor who says he would do it has a baby. They lose interest. Mm-hmm. You you don't cast their friends, so they quit. It's you cannot control this stuff. Even if you try to come up with a, a some kind of a mechanism to to protect your IPs, you just can't do it. And to see how quickly this took off to go back to like, oh yeah, we're doing this Batman cartoon two days later. Hey, I'm Bruce Tim. Here's my Batman designs. Hey, what do you know? This guy over here did all these, uh, you know, these backgrounds. Oh, what do you know? We're, I mean, it just came together. That never fucking happens. Yeah. It's insane how, how, how well it, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and it's for something that, you know, you know, they're coming on. I don't know if it's, they were, um, lucky because they were working in animation so maybe right. they had fewer eyes on them or something but at the same time yeah. it's batman yeah batman's not a, a, yeah. a small property no. especially coming off that second burton movie yeah yeah that's they a big knew. deal they knew there was money to be made and they, they went in for 66 episodes yeah. i mean i would love to be in the meeting where they're like we want to hire this guy bruce tim he's done tiny tunes like who was the guy that there must have been some discussion like but tiny tunes isn't batman yeah. That's how oh, I'm executives sure, yeah. are. <laughs> you know, I, I get the impression that they didn't know it was going to be good. So, let me let me backtrack a little bit. Right. Tiny, uh, to be fair, Tiny Toons, great show. They were doing really good animation 
uh, really good shows at Warner Brothers at the time. Right. So, I mean, it's these, the guys who are coming off this, I think Paul Dini also was on Tiny Toons. So these guys aren't schlubs. They, 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 they know what they're doing. They've been around for, I know Paul Dini was been, had been around for a long time doing animation. I think, and I could be wrong, mm-hmm. feel free to correct me, Internet, um, that he was doing uh, He-Man, I think. Or one of those shows, mm. like like that was like one of his first jobs was doing one of those older shows. Yeah, and you know I I think there were so many cartoons at this time. I mean, this is the era where you had the Beetlejuice cartoon. Right. Uh, you had the uh, there was a Rambo cartoon. Oh yeah. There was a RoboCop cartoon. Oh, RoboCop, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> <laughs> there were cartoons of anything. They were just throwing money at whatever was, would stick. Yeah, the eighties, the dirty eighties were the time when they were making cartoons in order to sell toys. It was nuts. Yeah. And I think the nineties came and they tried to have another decade where they started doing the same. So you saw weird ideas like some of them took off, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. But then you saw Street a, Sharks, uh, Biker Mice from Mars, Biker which, Mice from Mars. You know, Silver Striker Street Force or and whatever. I, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's really it's really weird to look back at this era too, because like, you know, we were talking about oh, this is darker than Batman had ever been, but like this was the era where they were making kids' toys, yeah. out of like Terminator Two, yeah, and and RoboCop. RoboCop is one of the most violent movies I've ever seen, and there are kids' toys. Just to prepare everybody, RoboCop. It, Clay is going to mention that movie a lot in this podcast. So we're going to make three episodes, <laughs> three episodes uh, into Batman, and then this is going to very, very subtly turn into a RoboCop. Real podcast. subtle, <clears throat> real subtle. <laughs> Uh, but still, but but my point is, like, they were throwing. They didn't care if it was an R-rated there movie. Was like, shit think about everywhere. now. Yeah. Think about now, where there's these studios are so paranoid about rating, right? Because they don't think they can sell things to kids, right? There were R-rated movies with toys that were not, and it's not like now where you have toys that are aimed at like adult collectors, and mm-hmm. you know that where they make. Right. They're, they're making retro toys out of yeah. you know Escape from New York and all that kind of garbage. I knew you were going to go there. Well, that's the first one popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very limited knowledge set of things I can draw. <laughs> Let me see. RoboCop came from New York. That's about it. Uh... It's going to be a lot of a lot of similar analogies in this show. Um, but you know, it's it, it wasn't like that. They were yeah. grasping. There was the Toxic Avenger had a cartoon. The Toxic Avenger is a trauma movie that's right. like a like a, yeah. a an exploitation horror movie. For right. you know, it's like right. And well, the difference in some of these things you're mentioning, from what I hear, is that. They were movie. They were cartoons by committee. Yeah, and they weren't cartoons done by a select, small smaller group who really knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. So when the suits, for the lack of better uh, definitions, when you have the suits and you have city the hall, type. <laughs> the man. So when the man made uh, He Man and the woman, man be fair. made Thundercats, they did it having a toy deal in place, right. probably yep. knowing they had a company in China or Taiwan to produce these things. And that's when the man or the committee or the suit stepped in and they started cranking these things out. It didn't mm-hmm. matter that Terminator 2 was for adults. The toys would be bought by the kids. Right. And that they knew that those kids would grow up and then they would see future Terminator things and they would make money all over again. It's like selling uh, toy Humvees to little kids. So one yeah. day they can buy their big ones. And and, them- it's, and it's Star Wars hangover too. Because Star Wars oh, yeah. blew that you know thing wide open. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Nope. Uh, but yeah, what I, I think what I was getting to was that um, there was so much of that stuff out there that I don't think they expected the quality they ended up getting. Right. You know, because this could they could have ordered sixty episodes of a right. Batman cartoon regardless right. of quality and right. still made toys and still sold those toys. Right. But I don't think they were expecting 
Heart of Ice right. or Mad Love or no. you know Mask of the Phantasm or anything like that. I, I you know I'm gonna say uh, there's a lot of luck and timing and hiring the right people at the right time mm-hmm. to do this. And also not only guys who got it, but guys who were good at protecting the IP with all the all the employees underneath them. Like Bruce Tim will fight for it. He's right. not going to accept bad work and you know it's not enough to just be talented but you have to be a good um a good boss and and good producer and you know embrace the best in people cancel ideas that aren't working out and that those are rare qualities to find in one creative type of person oh definitely yeah yeah i think they got really lucky with the people they ended up getting for the show you know i i i also think that the reason that if it if this if warner brothers at the time with this situation functions anything like comics the people that make the ideas and sign off on them are different than the people who write the paychecks, who are different than the people who create the schedules, mm-hmm. different than the people who, I mean, things are so... Um, it's all one guy, actually. <laughs> Mr. His, name, his name's Chris. John, Chris Warner. <laughs> but, no, uh, no relation, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. That's I thought strange. it was nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't... You think that, um, at least with, with the way comics works... You look at the Marvel and DC as two well-run, well-oiled machines, and they're really not. It's Here we a go. Bunch of disconnected parts, pieces, and things get approved, and the higher ups aren't aware of what someone else has paid for. And I mean, even the book now I'm doing, I'm not answering to anybody except for one guy, my editor. I'd and, like to say that I love both of these companies and would be happy to work with either <laughs> one of them. I have nothing to lose, and I'm burning my bridge. <laughs> And don't Wait, hire by the play time because he's my friend. By the time this comes out, that book will be on the shelves anyway, so you'll have made you That's true. That's true, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I totally understand what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, it's just so disjointed. Um, you know, like they signed me. Uh, I got a signing bonus to do this gig. I pitched an idea that one editor approved of, and I don't think he's run it by anybody in the office. Mm-hmm. I'm not on the phone every day with Warner Brothers. They have no idea what I'm concocting. I mean, I am... I think creating something that is in the wheelhouse that pushes boundaries and reinvents things, but also stays true to Gotham. But for all they know, I could be just some idiot who's doing all these, drawing all these sex scenes between, you know, Joker and Harley and there's no accountability. And I'm dying to know from someone like Frank Miller, when he did Dark Knight, what was his accountability? Did he call his editor every day? Did Mm -hmm. they have to walk him through? Did he go in for meetings? Did he have to meet with executives or was he just off the grid like I am and, just delivered something that they needed, but they didn't know they needed. Yeah. Just like what Bruce Tim did. Yeah, yeah. Well, join us next week when Frank Miller will be on the podcast to <laughs> yeah, right. answer all the questions that we both have <laughs> about all of these things. About everything he said and where he gets his hats. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll get him. No. <laughs> but uh, so another thing we're probably going to do, just because why not... You know, uh, if you I don't know if, if if you've heard us on another podcast, we, we frequent a Star Trek podcast called The Penske File. But this is better, Wes. <laughs> um, at the end of every episode, uh, we give a rating out for, for each episode. We figured we'd do it just for the hell of it. Right. Uh, so what do you think? For, for this as, as a pilot, what would you give this a one to five rating? This podcast we're in or as the pilot? Well, either way. I mean, if it's if the podcast is like a two, we can probably just this will be the only episode, I guess. But. Um, man, well, it's totally an unfair rating. I'll, I'll go um, four because uh, it was amazing. Uh, but knowing what I know about how the show eventually turned out, mm-hmm. the Fleischer stuff was a little goofy. Um, 
I feel weird giving it a rating. Maybe I should say five. Yeah. I would say five just because... I, I want to work for DC one day. <laughs> <laughs> no. Composure, Clay. <clears throat> Composure. <laughs> right. No, I would give it a five. I think I would give it a five because um, right out of the gate, they nail it. Like, they don't change. Like you're saying, some of, there's a little bit of tweaking to do. But everything is there. Right. You know, the design of Batman, the design of the city, they don't change much stylistically when they get to the actual series. Yep. And true. I can't think of, like, even if you go back, um, you look at the Ghostbusters cartoon from the 80s, there's a similar thing to this uh, for that show, which ended up becoming, much like this did for Batman, mm -hmm. the animation they used for this Ghostbusters test became more or less what the opening credits are for the Ghostbusters cartoon. Which, now, which Ghostbusters? The real Ghostbusters. Is that the one with the ghost car? No. It's oh. not the one with the gorilla. <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry. Did you watch... Did you, I used did to you watch take the... in anything as a child? I remember... Uh... <laughs> hey, you know what? I got a career out of this shit. I don't need to... You don't have to know it to be good at it. Fair enough. I don't know why. I, I agree. I should know more about this. <laughs> I'm just as like turned off by my life. You were just you were just you, you were just an eight year old doing sit ups and pull ups in the backyard. Yeah, man. It's like I was born knowing karate and I mastered <laughs> kung fu without even giving a shit. But anyway, so the uh, um, so uh, if you go back and you watch that that early test for the Ghostbusters cartoon, it's mostly there, but they do tweak stuff. They change the colors of the of the suits. They change the color of the the color and style of Egon's hair. Right. This is pretty much there like they, they don't change batman at all that's true he's pretty much the way he is through the whole show until they redesign right. uh, for the second series yeah. there they do eventually give him arms though yeah <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't dance through bullets as much in the show not as much or he does it in a more masculine way <laughs> uh, but you know it's all there the um uh Commissioner Gordon, even the Commissioner Gordon shows up for like half a second in this thing. Yeah, they don't change the design on Gordon at all. Basically, no, he's pretty right. much the same. He still has that dairy whipped, yeah, white, white hair and the city and everything. And I mean, for the first attempt, knocking it out of the park, I can't, I can't give it less than a five. I'm gonna go, you know, I'm gonna go five too because I don't want people to get mad at me. <laughs> I have a career to maintain as well. <laughs> I'll go six. So, oh, okay, <laughs> all right. But, uh, uh, I mean, unless you have something else to talk about, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. No, man. We'll get into the rest of it uh, later. Uh, so, if you, so our tradition will be, um, I'll ask you, what scene would you have liked to have drawn? But the whole thing is one scene, I guess. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would love to draw a dance sequence featuring Batman. <laughs> of course you would. Just dancing through the bullets <laughs> as though he doesn't even know they're there. <laughs> like pollen off of flowers. <laughs> what? I don't know. I've been watching too many Ridley Scott movies. <laughs> oh man. Yourself? Um I I really love the uh first pan shot of the city. Yeah. I'm, I'm crazy. I'm the one of the only people in comics I think who likes drawing backgrounds and uh especially doing big complicated cityscapes. I, I really enjoy that. So I think that would be fun to draw. It would just be the first ten seconds of it. Yeah. Yeah. Before you even see Batman, maybe. Yeah. No, I mean that that shot really it, it it tells you everything about Gotham City, mm -hmm. and you know that's that's really impressive to be able to pull that off. Right. Um, yeah. So 
that pretty much sums it up for this first episode. Uh, if you liked it, if you heard this on iTunes, please give us a rating or review. <clears throat> um, there. Uh, we have a Twitter and an email address, which uh, <clears throat> has not been finalized yet, but it'll be at the tail end of this. So I'll let you know where to send stuff if you want to follow us. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the first episode. And uh, like I said, this should all be released at the same time. So follow us in the next episode where I believe we'll be covering On Leather Wings and Christmas with the Joker. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone. If you have questions, comments, or feedback on the show, feel free to drop us a line at our email address, which is batasspodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-T-T-A-S-S podcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at batasspodcast. That's at B-A-T-T-A-S-S podcast. Thanks, guys.